welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus. This is episode 205. We're just going to title this Overview and Overheard. Yes. So as you may have known, I did a caught or a catch up episode, if you will, episode 204, where I was kind of breaking down some of the highlights of what went on at the SD8 Collin County Republican Convention. Um, I did a pretty good job of covering that, caught all the major high points that I wanted to share. Just know that a good deal of all my spare time was committed to working towards making that committee uh, and serving there. So that's kind of why my episodes uh, were chewed up and not uh, put out on time or uh, maybe not even as good as they could have been. Just trying to get the content out there. Content is king, and I want to provide as much as I can. Um, So Saturday was the culmination of all those efforts, and next step will be going on down to the state convention in June. Until then, we've got a runoff campaign that's still in play, as well as a Big debate that I get to moderate on the 9th. And Monday night, one of the reasons why I missed an episode, I was invited to a dinner. And at that dinner, they talked about something called Destination Resorts. Now, if you think about that for a moment, that leads itself to some different interpretations of what exactly they may be talking about. And to be honest with you, What they talked about did sound interesting, did sound exciting. All but one little problem. That little problem is, in order to build a destination resort, they want to include gambling, or a casino. appears that uh, the state of Texas is tired of tolerating the taxpayer dollars trotting on over to the neighboring state. They want to recapture that money. And I've heard this argument before. I mean, that's why we sell beer and wine in McKinney now. And Frisco and Allen. And that's why there's liquor stores now in Allen and Frisco. Because once upon a time, there wasn't. We were a dry county. And the individual cities have determined that they want to do these things. And being from the Midwest, and there's a whole lot of Midwesterners here, they like to have their adult beverages. So it seems to reason that as the demographics of Texas have shifted from the more conservative Baptist background or even conservative Catholic background, majority, majority, as we've gotten more people from the Midwest who... hmm, feel a little less guarded about those things and the mass importation of Californians who may have an R after their name, but come from an entirely different world. It is only a matter of time. And these folks would like to see about how they can do that in a nice legal fashion. And there are a whole lot of questions that need answers before we could really go any for any further forward, I guess is what I was looking for there. But it was very interesting, and their presentation was interesting. Uh, had a lot of holes as far as being able to answer some of the questions that I asked. And honestly, and, and like I told them, 
kind of predisposed to think this would be a net positive, that I would be generally in favor of this. But I could be swayed against it if there's insufficient data or let's just say enough data that shows the downside of it. But I remain open. I, I need to be convinced. Not that my little old voice is going to change anything, but just putting it out there. The other thing that's been, you know, now dealt with is the the campaign that just never seems to end, right? I'm talking about the runoffs, right? So I'm kind of giving you an overview of what's going on. Um, we have runoffs, uh, both the, and I, I'm going to make this a little more focused just on the McKinney aspect of the runoff, right? There's an entirely different runoff going down in Plano for HD 70. I think that's a potentially really interesting race. And I'm trying to help put on a debate between the two candidates. They're both interested, but I cannot lock down a facility to do it at. So if any of you out there in radio land, if you will, can help me with that, please call me 214-405-1852. We want to make this happen. We've got about two weeks for it to be a viable debate. Next thing, the the county race, or the countywide race, if you will, for the clerk. Now, I'm probably not the best person to be the moderator with that, but I would be happy to have at least one or two other people sit on that for me so that we can give a more balanced approach. I mean, I'm a pretty even-handed guy, even if it's somebody I'm not thrilled about, but I could see why at least one of those candidates wouldn't want me to be the moderator of their debate because I haven't been overly moderate in my views of the lack of uh, diligence shown to the job at hand but I would be happy to assist any way I can. And likewise in HD 70, I don't know enough about either one of those candidates that I want to stick my neck out. Um, But again, I would be very interested in helping to pull that off and moderating that debate. I think it'd be very educational, informative, hopefully just a little entertaining. That brings me back to HD 61. HD 61 is my home district. It is most of McKinney, a good chunk of Frisco, and a good part of the rest of the county going north. This is highly important. We need to um, we need to choose wisely. Whoever wins this race is likely to be our state rep for the next 8 to 10 years. So we need to make a good decision. We need to make an educated decision. I need for you, the voters out there, to learn as much as you can about these candidates and make an educated decision. I have not endorsed either. Um, not, I'm not, well, let's just say, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say anything other than I want for you, the voters, to get a better education about this situation. That brings me back to the uh, constables. I want to give these guys an opportunity to talk about what it is they do, why it is they're the best person to do the job, and what is it they're going to do better or differently than what is currently being done, or if everything is actually really good and they're just going to pick up and keep walking. I think these are all important things that we need to know, and I don't think the forums 
are doing an adequate job. And that's not a slap at the forums because most of us would have no idea who any of these people were if they didn't go to forums. But I think a debate actually causes them to have to answer questions. It causes them to question their opponents. It it puts a little tension. It gives an opportunity to distinguish the differences between them. Because like most Republicans in Texas, they're all conservatives and they're all Christians while they're running for office. And then, well, something else maybe entirely after they win. So, as I've completed now the overview as it stands, let me go on to some of the things I've overheard. And by overheard, just meaning things that have been brought to my attention or I have seen. So, the plank relating to uh, the outcome of the Congressional District 3 race survived the convention, whereupon that if there is a three-way, or I'm sorry, if there's a three-way race, or I guess that's, if there is a runoff and one of the top two candidates drops out of the runoff, the third place person would then join the runoff with one of the two that still survives. Uh, One could call this the Suzanne Harper rule, though I'm sure this has happened at some point in the past and probably not fair to do that, but it's inevitable. it's, It's about how do we address what happened in CD3. Now, I'm fine with the outcome and it followed the law and Ultimately, we got the outcome that the majority of us really wanted, which is for Van Taylor to retire. But the point is, is that we have a bunch of other races that are determined by a plurality. And I don't know about you, but I was really surprised to see school board members win with 38% of the vote. That's kind of weird, especially when you're in a municipal race to run for city council, you have to have 50 plus 1% to win. Why is the school board different? That doesn't make any sense to me. And actually, while we're on the subject, I don't understand why municipal races are still nonpartisan. I will tell you that in the previous iteration of McKinney, like when I moved down here and there was 50,000 people, maybe that was viable. Maybe that was... uh, Something that, you know, we're all working together. Uh, some would call it the good old boys network. But generally, everybody wanted what was best for the town. But as that town morphs into a city and the politics become more ingrained and the sides develop, everything takes a flavor of the R versus D. Right or wrong, that's just what happens. Let's quit playing games and just call a spade a spade. Everybody knows that it's a bunch of Democrats that run the city of Dallas. Everybody knows that it's a 4-7 split for Democrats in Plano, no matter what they say. We're not stupid. We, we know. And it's basically the same all the way up 75. In Frisco, well, I'm not even going to go there. Just don't let people hide behind the idea that these are nonpartisan races. We all know they're not. Just show your affiliation, talk about what you really want to do, and drop the BS sales pitch that y'all put before us. Yeah, everybody wants a great city. Everybody wants all this great investment. Yeah, everybody wants this. Everybody wants that. But how are you going to do it? And how are you going to pay for it? And what are you going to do with the people that lose? Well, we're talking about losing. 
um, it was pointed out that the nice development that's going to go in east of Highway 5 in McKinney, we displaced dozens of people so that there could be a parking lot for a brewery that were offsetting the cost of their expansion in large part by the city taxpayers. Now, I understand the process, right? You want to have tax incentives to encourage businesses to move in and to grow, but we've tried this before. In fact, one of the anchor buildings in the development just southeast of the square was for a game company that's not even there anymore. I mean, we paid to have a bank relocate from one part of the city that it already was in to another part of the city. And we paid to the tune that long term, the tax abatements are going to pay for the entire cost of the building. Now, I mean, if you're okay with that, if you think that's the best thing, then you have no issue. But I'm just curious. Why? Why would we do that? I mean, Frisco's only got so much debt they can take on. I mean, they could move the Plano, but does anybody actually choose to move the Plano anymore unless you're Toyota? But then the actually where Toyota moved was the very north edge of of Plano and all their people moved into Frisco and McKinney. I mean, some are in Plano, let's be honest. But so the reality is, is we gave away the farm to borrow that colloquialism, right? We, We got played. Much the same way that every big business that moves into an area as it's growing plays the city fathers. Now, they all get their cut out of it, right? They get to to look good because they brought in the city, uh, this store, that store, this investment or that investment. They get to look really great and pat themselves on the back. But the city ends up paying the cost. The city ends up losing on on the long end of this, right? Now, I'm sure that they're going to roll out all the statistics of why it's a great idea to put a stadium right off of 121 when we already had the land in a better location up north of 380 off 75, which wouldn't be right out the back door of the other stadium in Allen. But, hey, what's done is done. The superintendent got what he wanted. The former landowners got what they wanted. And I'm sure somebody got a little something, something. I mean, that's just the way the world works, right? I'm sure it'll all come out at some time. I'm sure we'll find out what happened for real at some point in the future. And by that time, nobody's really going to care. They're going to be generally happy with what we got because that's what we do. No matter how bad it gets, we just ignore it and go on, do the next thing. We just, just deal with it. And while we're talking about just dealing with things, you know, we had our little bout with $4 a gallon gas, and now we're only down about three sixty-five. and everybody's pointing the finger and blaming everybody. But the reality is, this was going to happen regardless, because the people in charge have a vested interest in you and I not being able to travel, in you and I not being able to exert our independence, you and I must be controlled. Now you can call it whatever you want and I'm not wearing the tinfoil hat and we're going down the rabbit trail. I'm just saying that this is no surprise. No surprise. And you can blame Joe Biden, you can blame Donald Trump, it really doesn't matter. When they bring out the electric cars and everybody's mandated to have an electric car, 
that can be shut off remotely or simply doesn't take a charge any longer. You can look back in this time. Well, that was a little technical difficulty there. Uh, <laughs> computers seem to have crashed, much like the electric cars will once they're up and running. <laughs> You'll look back at the time and think to yourself, why did we ever give up our nice gasoline-powered cars? They were getting 30 miles to the gallon or better, and pretty much always started and got me where I needed to be and didn't cost $60,000. But that time is about to go bye bye And you're going to have to consider, how did we get here? Why are we here? Now, unfortunately, because of my technical difficulty, I don't know exactly where I left off. So in the interest of your time and mine, let me just say, do your own investigation. Spend some time, figure out what's what. Then make your educated decisions. So one last thing I want to kind of touch base on. Um, it's kind of what I would call hyper-local. But apparently we have this great controversy about some yard signs that were stolen or some mm, four by four signs, which in political parlance, those are the big road signs. They were taken down or stolen. Now, I don't know all the details. And I could see if you lost mm, 10 or 20 signs, how that would be very harmful. Those signs are expensive. They're not cheap to get. And you have to find volunteers willing to go put those up. So there's some time and expense involved with that. And certainly, when people do juvenile things such as defacing them or tearing them down or breaking them or, quite frankly, stealing them, it is upsetting and it's disappointing. But what I don't understand is why you would think another candidate would stoop to doing that to you. What I don't understand is why any one candidate would do that to another candidate. I don't understand what you think is gained by that. And I certainly don't understand why you would launch an investigation into something that is typically petty in the large thing, large scheme of things, right? I mean, when you're spending a couple hundred thousand dollars to win a seat that pays you $20,000 a year or less, you're probably spending up other people's money. So you want to be respectful and not waste it. But there's a certain amount of that campaign that you just understand that signs get lost, they get destroyed. I just don't understand the wisdom behind that. I mean, I got to say... There's some slimy things that go on in campaigns. There's some nasty things said about other candidates, about yourself, that can occur. But you have to accept that's part of running for office. You're going to be an elected official. You're going to be a public persona. And people don't like you or don't like me or don't like themselves sometimes. They react poorly. They, they do things that they would not do in any other circumstance. But you have to understand that before you get into the arena. Before you get involved, you know what you're dealing with. Now look, 
I am on record multiple times as saying you might not care about politics, but politics cares about you. You may not be concerned about government, but government is very concerned about you. But the flip side of that is you don't act in such a way is to draw unnecessary attention. You don't act in such a way as to make yourself the proverbial nail that needs to be hammered down. That's an Asian proverb for those of you that are not aware. There is a time and a place to stand and do the right thing. Last year, I took some time out of my life and I stood for something that I thought was worth standing for. This year, for months, I've been showing up at the school board meetings and standing up for what is right. A good number of people are very upset about obscene material. Now, whether you think it's obscene or not is irrelevant. They're there. They're speaking their mind. They're advocating for what they believe is best for their children. And that's the proper way to do things. That is the proper way to engage both in civics and to exercise your constitutional rights. Smashing yard signs or stealing them or going and threatening businesses that have up your opponent's signs are not good ways to do that. That is not appropriate ways to do that. That is a tactic usually reserved for tyrannical people. I read a, I'm reading a book, a casual relaxing book, and it quotes Chairman Mao and I don't know if it's a paraphrase or not, but basically the politics is controlled by the point of a gun, and this is my paraphrase, so we're going to control all the guns so that nobody else can control us. Interesting. Perhaps uh, conservatives or Christians ought to keep that in mind. You keep surrendering, you keep playing Mr. Nice Guy, You give up your rights and one by one you find yourself in that smaller and smaller box until you can do nothing. Just a thought? Well, boys and girls, this was uh, kind of a little overview and different things I've overheard. Um, If you should know of something or you should hear of something that might be of interest that you might like to share, please feel free to reach out. You can text me or call me at 214-405-1852. You can email or message to this uh, podcast directly. I ask you share, you like, you rate the show, tell people about it. We can't change anything and we can't address issues if we aren't being heard. And right now, when you go to the school board, They let us talk, but they don't listen. You go to the city council meetings, depending on what city you're in, you may be able to speak, you may not be able to speak. You may be attacked for during the question the narrative. You may just be ignored. I'm not sure which is worse. I'm not sure which is better. But what I'm here to tell you is we have to take alternative means at our disposal to get our message out. We have to educate the general population that these things are going on. We see them as detrimental. These are why the reasons why we see these are detrimental and we're asking you to join us and pushing back. Now, of course, 
we're not going to have 100% agreement on any one thing or any one person's not going to 100% agree with you on everything. That's okay. We work together on the things we agree with. We can be a disagree. Well, we can disagree without being disagreeable. That's a very important thing when you're dealing with people on the, your own team. We have to remember who the bad guys are. And I've got the little figure quotes up, right? The bad guys are. They're the progressives that want to ruin country. They're the progressives that want to turn Texas blue. They're the progressives that actually want somebody like Resident Joe or, or Harris to run the country and think they're actually beneficial. Oh, and while we're on the topic of things that are being sold to us as beneficial that are probably clearly not. So, the lady who is up for Supreme Court justice. I know on paper, she has all the requirements. I'm sure she's an excellent candidate. I'm sure she ticks all those boxes. And certainly she ticked the two most important boxes for Biden. Of course, I'm not sure how she's sure that she's a she, if she can't tell the difference between a man and a woman But be that as it may, that was her political answer. (coughs) Excuse me. So we excuse that as a political answer. What is most concerning to me is the fact that you will likely abandon the Constitution. That you will likely ignore what the Constitution has to say. I really don't buy that she's dumb. I don't buy that she doesn't actually know the difference between a man and a woman because... She says she's a woman, and there's evidence that suggests she's a woman, so she knows better. She also has handled a great number of cases and, you know, is going to get approved to sit in that uh, seat anyway. So what's the point of arguing? What's the point of fighting? It's a done deal. And the person she's replacing, she's not going to be any worse than he was. So I'm going to ring this up as a big, who cares? So I think it's KBG, KBJ, whatever. Who cares? We replace one uh, progressive with another. We're no worse off. We all need to be praying for Clarence Thomas if you want to do something constructive. And thinking of things that are constructive. I'm going to do probably a half an episode having to do with some of the controversy surrounding Two dudes having two babies. If you don't know what that's about, you'll have to come and join me at episode 2000, 2000, (laughs) I only wish, episode 206, which will probably drop tomorrow. Until then, this is According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.